Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. Today's episode is the reason why I have a podcast. I went down to Bloomington, Indiana and interviewed my friend, Mike Brodovsky, and his cat, Lil Bub. If you don't know Bub, how are we even friends? How are you a part of my life? Lil Bub is an internet sensation. She went viral back in 2011, and from there, the world has never been the same. Lil Bub is a special needs cat. She suffers from an extreme form of dwarfism. She's a permanent kitten, and she has these stubby legs and no teeth, and she is unable to pee and poop on her own. So her owner, Mike, has been there for her entire life, for every pee, for every poop, for every bath, for every vet visit, for everything. Since 2011, Bub has also had other health concerns. She has osteoarthritis. And she's got a weird genetic makeup that scientists have actually studied. And they have found her genetic makeup in mice and in humans. And hopefully the research that they've done on Little Bub can be applied to other cats who don't have the means and the internet followers that Bub has herself. I went down to Bloomington, Indiana, because I was curious about the business of Lil Bub. You know, many of us would get a cat who goes viral and we would cash that check. We would market the heck out of our animal. And Mike has taken a different path in this world. And he's really focused on being a responsible pet owner. He's focused on some messages around cat ownership. And he's given back to charity. This is not something he's doing because he's trying to strike it rich, although he's raised a tremendous amount of money in Lil Bub's name, but he's doing this because he feels like Bub has a purpose, has a message out there for people like you and me. During this interview, you're going to be able to hear Lil Bub in the background. She's cooing and clicking and being super cute. You know, she doesn't talk. It's tough to capture that on a podcast. But if you listen closely, she's actually talking in the background and I think you'll enjoy it. So if you're interested in the business of Lil Bub or what it's like to have an internet famous cat, Sit tight, and I'll be back with my friend Mike Bradovsky and more of Let's Fix Work. Work is broken, and so is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is picking up the pieces so you can take control of your career, put yourself first, and be your own HR. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, Mike, welcome to Let's Fix Work. Thanks for having me. Well, before we get started, can you tell everybody where we are, where in America we are? We're in Bloomington, Indiana, in my recording studio, which is called Russian Recording. So Mike, you and I have known one another for a little while, and we've known one another through your cat. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your cat and some of the cats that are here with us today? Sure. The cat you're referencing is Little Bub, who I call Bub. (laughs) She's a special cat. Some of you may know her. She's famous, very famous, but in a funny way where either people really know her or don't know her, but she's special for a number of reasons. She's known for being from space and she's really one of a kind and really it's a pretty long story, but she is an inspiration to a lot of people. She's very unique on the outside and on the inside and has changed my life and lots of lives in a lot of ways. So she lives here with you in Bloomington, Indiana, even though she travels all over the world, all over the universe. She lives here in your recording studio or does she live at home with you? Bub lives at home with me, but she does come to the studio with me fairly regularly. And you met Bub through the act of fostering, if I'm not mistaken. And she wasn't your first foster cat. Is that true? Yeah, I guess you could call it fostering. The people that found her and rescued her couldn't find a home for her. And she kind of jumped around. And then I've got 
at the time I had four other cats and all of them sort of found me. I never went out to find a cat and they're all sort of misfit cats. And so they thought of me when they (laughs) saw her and I didn't really want another cat. But when I met her, we sort of fell in love. So I took her in indefinitely. It wasn't really a foster situation. Based on the way she looked and and everything, we thought she wouldn't live very long. Sure, so yeah. It was sort of like I was giving her a home, expecting that she might not be around for too long, like someone needed to take care of her. But here we are eight years later. So Yeah. And she's got some siblings as well that you care for that are part of your family, right? Right. Yeah. So Special Agent Dale Cooper, who lives at the studio, and Vivian, who also lives at the studio. And in our home, we also have her brother, Spooky, and we now have a dog named Gucci. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's a big family. So tell us a little bit about Bub's early days, because you said you took her in. She's the special needs cat. You weren't sure if she was going to make it. And at the time, what, you're just a musician? You're just a producer here in Bloomington, Indiana, doing your thing, taking care of animals because you're a good member of the community? Is that what that was? Oh, you know, I wouldn't give myself that much credit. (laughs) Well, I liked animals. And when a cat crossed my path and needed a home, I was happy to give them a home. Heck yeah. But it was never anything I did like pursued actively. That's sort of the way I do things. I don't really pursue pursue <laughs> things. They just kind of happen to me. Sure. So, you know, I started collecting cats. I had four cats at the time. Another cat, Oscar, and another cat, Josie. Oscar ran away and Josie passed away, I believe, last year from kidney failure. And yeah, I, I had the recording studio and frankly, it wasn't going very well at the time. And that's sort of when Bub came into my life. Yeah. So you immediately, it looks like from, you know, the internet history and getting to know you, it looks like Bub became a pretty special part of your life from the beginning and has also been a member of the lives of people who've come through the recording studio. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, she became a big part of my life just as a cat, but also she was very special and um, sort of, I became infatuated with her and so did all my friends and she never really stayed at the studio. But everyone knew about her, of course. course. And she became like a little local celebrity almost instantaneously. Wow. And it actually became like we joked that she was famous and sort of treated her like she was famous. And a friend made a T-shirt of her as if she was famous. You know, it was like this sort of funny thing. And then I started a blog sort of tongue in cheek about the most amazing creature on the planet (laughs) and sort of, you know, we were all like rooting for her Mm -hmm. in the same way people are now, but on a very local, small family sort of scale. But the blog sort of took off and friends shared with other friends and soon people were just obsessed, as obsessed with her as I was. Yeah. So how did you know when you had a famous cat on your hands? Well, you know, it's a very slow process. I was surprised when she had 500 Tumblr followers, you know. And then on Tumblr, one of the photos I posted went viral. And viral in 2012 is different than viral now or 2011. I can't remember. It got shared, whatever, 40,000 times or something. And that was kind of wild. But what was funny was we just made these T-shirts and I put a pre-order on the blog for them, for friends, blog followers. But all these people ordered them because it went viral. (laughs) So like the timing was really wild. And then people got these shirts and then other people saw them with shirts and then they ordered more. And it it sort of started that way, all these bub t-shirts. And we were shipping them to BuzzFeed and Vice and all these places, you know. And so then they started doing articles about her and BuzzFeed did one that really sort of went viral on its own. And after that, that's when it was like, oh, this is kind of crazy. Because then I got called by Good Morning America the next day. And from there, a bunch of things sort of not related kept happening as they do, I guess. And I didn't know what to make of it. 
Well, were you suspicious of all the attention that Bub was given? Because I think there's two schools of thought when you have a famous cat. One is you want to protect her and you want to protect your privacy. And the other one is, well, you just won the lottery, right? So how did you feel about all that? I definitely didn't feel like I won the lottery. So I was very skeptical of the whole thing. And my skepticism came from a couple angles. One was that I never set out to do this. So what do I do with it? And so I made a few rules from the beginning that I wasn't going to seek out any opportunities for her, sort of just treat it as a thing that was happening, sort of her, she was doing it. And then I also saw that there was, she had a kind of a message there. I wanted it to be about her. I was obsessed and in love with her and thought she was really special from the beginning. And I didn't want to turn into like these other memes or jokes on the internet. So I made it to be all about her. And sort of, I realized that she's so different. That's what brings people in. She's so unique. And instead of making fun of that, like really putting it up on a pedestal, like that's what's so special about her. She's smarter than us. She yeah. has more patience than <laughs> the rest right. of us. Yeah. And she um, so wise. Look at her. <laughs> she is so wise. And she's here for a reason. And so from the beginning, even before she got famous with our shirts, I sort of I just donated the money to our local charity because it was. But wait, what, what reason is she here for? Because I've heard you say that a couple of times and allude to it. So why is Bub here? What do you think? Well, it's something I've been figuring out over the past eight years. And there are a lot of reasons I think she's here. As far as like the world is concerned, I think she's she's certainly here to spread several messages of awareness. The greater one being that, you know, it's our differences that make us special. She also gives us a message of hope and inspiration. I mean, she's been dealt a really wild hand as far as like her genetic makeup and her health. And despite that, she's persevered without any complaints whatsoever and is able to accomplish so much. It's very inspirational to everyone, like normal folks like you and me. You know, we all get down on ourselves. But when you think about, hey, if Bub can do it, so can I. That's right. And then, of course, you know, just the message from the very beginning when she got famous, I thought, you know, it amazed me in the comments of like, we live in our niche of people that understand that it's important to spay and neuter your pet or to mm -hmm. adopt. But the greater population doesn't get it. And I didn't realize that, you know, in my bubble town of Bloomington. Yeah. So I realized I can just very easily say, you know, Bub thinks you should adopt, spay and neuter your pets. And, you know, that all sort of snowballed into spreading a message of awareness and, and proper animal care. And I learned a lot from that, you know, like from Bub, I've learned so much about... So like what? What have you learned? Well, what it takes to care for a special needs pet. I've learned also that any healthy pet will eventually become a special needs pet. And it's hard to think about all the things I've learned because to me, it seems like common sense. It's like I've known it all the time, but you know, how shelters work, you mm -hmm. know how important it is to have regular vet visits and the things to look out for. You know, I know all about urinary crystals, kidney health, like all these okay. things that I didn't really understand back then. You learn from yeah, experience and, and Bub's taught me so much about that. And just also now I'm a part of the cat community and the animal welfare community. So I learned these things in my travels and our visits yeah. and listening to people talk about all that stuff. I wonder what else you've learned that applies to your business. Because I would imagine there's a business of running Bub that could be either amazing and fun and awesome or just as onerous as running any other business. Yeah, it's very multifaceted, which people don't understand. Yeah, like what? Well, there's so much. So the merchandise snowballed and I was in bands and did a little merchandise here and there, mm -hmm. but then suddenly I was managing an online store. Yeah. So how many, you know, quantities, what sizes, how to screen print shirts, how many colors can they print, what size can they print, what kind of shirts. And how not to order them from like a slave labor oh, factory, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> you know, from the beginning, we've always, all of Bub's merch is designed by friends and manufactured yeah. by friends. All the shirts were actually manufactured here in the other side of the building. Oh, that's neat. In the warehouse. Yeah. He just moved, Jared. He still prints them. He's just down the block. 
Wait, I love it. So you're keeping your money and your employment and all your contractors as local as you can. Yeah, yeah. it's all this sort of Bub's thing. Is like it was an opportunity to reward my friends too. Like, yeah. hey, I've got I can finally give you lots of business. And, <laughs> right. You know, and designers, artists, all that stuff. It's all like sort of it's always been in the family. Yeah. And so there's that whole on managing an online store, which in itself is multifaceted. You have to learn how to create a e-commerce platform right and then the shipping and then automating the shipping and, and you have the to warehousing. plan for it right i mean you have to do some of that oh there's so much you know, there's sales wow. and then there's taxes and then there's well you know just like making it work financially is crazy especially if you're donating a lot of money which sure. was a big mistake i made in the beginning is donating too much money is putting you in jeopardy of going yeah. out of business and so you have to think about the long term so but that's interesting because one of the things that's so great about bub is that you've donated almost a quarter of a million dollars if i'm not mistaken to charity correct oh it's a lot more than that is it we're up to about seven hundred thousand. Oh wow that's yeah yeah and that's doesn't just come from the online store because then we did appearances. So then once you do appearances, you have to have a boilerplate agreement. Yeah. And make sure Bub's protected and all the stuff. And then there's negotiating fees. And then there's Bub is sort of like was on the very front of the influencer world before we knew it. She was. Absolutely. She's an early influencer. That's right. And it wasn't even called that. No. Then, but yeah, I remember like brands in the very early days, like contacting us to do these posts and wanting to pay us for it. And then that snowballed into this, you know, Bub's like the number one pet influencer how did you figure all that out, by the way? Did you have friends from the entertainment world that you could ask about charging, about protecting in terms of legal rights? Like, how did you maneuver through all of that? Yeah, well, we have a, an attorney. We've had a couple. She had the book deal. So going right. through that whole process was crazy. There's publishers all bidding for the book. And then we had an agent for the book. And then we had a, a literary attorney. And then there's that. That was our first big contractual agreement. And I learned a lot in that process. And through that, then there was a licensing agency that we work with. And then we got an attorney through that. You know, it's all that. So it's not just as simple as having this wonderful internet famous no, cat. It gets, you start going down the rabbit hole. Pretty yeah, quick. I bet. I bet. But my rule was that I manage all of it. So you do. Bub's actually the only famous cat without an agent oh, or is a that manager. True? Yeah, that even like pets with way less followers, they yeah. all sign up to these agencies because they're really trying to get these. I don't want to say I'm fortunate because I never wanted to do it, but I've been lucky in that. So as a rule, I, I still to this day don't pursue anything. So I don't need an agent because I'm not trying. Like it feels wrong to me to be like, oh, I've got this famous cat now. I'm going to go after yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I've always just let it come to us. And then I go through our requests and I see what works. And then I do all the negotiations myself. And my attorney, actually, I just learned from him. Because I'm like, we don't have the kind of money. I can't constantly no, with everything. So I learned course. how to read contractual agreements and how to redline them. And it's been very helpful. So you've got this business of Bub that is both a business and a not-for-profit, right? And It's not technically a not-for-profit. Right, but you yeah. donate proceeds. Yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have that and you have the recording studio. One of the things that so interests me is that Bub is an early part of your story and has changed your life in so many ways. And you mentioned, you know, offline and off-air, you've been profoundly changed personally and professionally by her. So let's talk a little bit about personally how she's changed your life. So I guess Bub was the... I've always loved my cats very much, yeah. but she's the first living thing that I think I've cared about more than myself, wow. like in a sort of instinctual sort of way or a biological way. And I didn't feel that way again until I had kids. And then when I first had Roscoe, our first kid, I realized this is how I felt when I had Bub, like constantly taking photos and videos, not yeah. because of anything, just because you're so you're in tune. Love. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah your family. And Bub also led me to meet my wife. And so she's like really the reason 
my life is the way it is now. That's and pretty I, amazing. I wonder how, how <laughs> it would be otherwise. So she changed you personally, and you've got two kids now. You're here, you're married in Bloomington. Professionally, your career has touched other celebrities, other micro-celebrities in ways that I think that are interesting, like Jeff Goldblum and several other people. Did you know a lot of these celebrities before you met Bub, or did they come to you? I didn't know any celebrities, really. Yeah. I mean, the world's small, pretty small totally. when, yeah. you, when you get there. And you're in the music world, so... Yeah, so a little, you know, one of the first big celebrities she met was Jonathan Richmond. And that's when she was, like, very early. Like, yeah. the BuzzFeed article came out, but who knew what was going to happen? And Jonathan Richmond was just playing a show here. We used to have shows at the studio. Yeah. And I remember, he's a very eccentric guy, and telling me, He's actually like pretty stressed out and like he doesn't really warm up to you at first. Okay. I have I take pride in, in getting folks <laughs> like that to warm up to me. And I was like, listen, once we're done with the sound check, I want you to meet my cat. And he was instantly like, oh, this seems very important. Let's do that. And like he just left. He's like, let's go now. And we just walked because I lived a few blocks away at the time in this yeah. tiny little apartment above a garage. And we walked half a mile and he just knew. He just sensed that yeah. there. And then he was mesmerized by her well the power of bub right oh, yeah, yeah yeah and then we found out we're both first born russian jews yeah. in the country and we really bonded and he sort of became a spiritual mentor in this little tiny amount of time and he wrote i still have it on yeah. the back of one of bub's vet receipts he wrote all these meditation techniques for me wow you can tell I'm, I'm a pretty high strung guy yeah <laughs> so that was like the first that's time amazing. and that was like you know just that's how the things are with yeah. bub and then it got real crazy of course vice did that documentary and through that we met andrew wk yeah and every time we've worked with andrew wk has been sort of it's just sort of worked out and he and bub are very similar i'm surprised i'm well i'm not surprised to hear that especially now with his online persona the way it is i mean he's thoughtful he's inclusive is that how he really is he's i mean he's so genuine wow when we did the animal planet special with bub he starred in it yeah we had to do you know the press media circuit in new york or whatever we did all these interviews together and he was like so he would listen so carefully when i talk about bub and how special and magical she is yeah. and you know i talk about her like she really is sort of like a saint or a guru or whatever i would say so she's on the couch right now there's a glow about her right you yeah, know, yeah she has a very powerful energy <laughs> and he was very and, it, and some people don't get it right some people absolutely do like there's no question about it that there's magic to yeah. bub and it's not for everyone but the people that can sense it or the people that open themselves up to it are oftentimes moved to tears Andrew was just like, he wasn't just like listening. He was like, it seemed like he was like taking advice from Bub. Wow. And whenever he'd talk about her in these interviews, he'd be like, well, just after knowing her, I've learned so much about she's influenced me and how, how to make decisions and all yeah. this stuff. It's really cool. He's a really sweet guy. Well, one of the things I love about Bub is that from the get-go, when you've been on the internet, you've really made a concerted effort to put nothing but positivity out on the internet, when the internet can be such a cesspool, right? It can be such a waste of time. And I wonder what your... I don't know what your observation of the internet is now that you've been deep in it, right? You've toured this country, toured the world. You've met people who know Bub through the online experience. Is it as nasty as it feels to people like me? Or do you have glimmers of hope through the internet? I have a unique relationship with the internet. I instinctually don't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> like, and me both. I, don't, right. I have a personal Facebook because I started from forever. Yeah. I, and I don't ever like really check it. I don't check Instagram. I don't check any of that stuff. And yet it's brought you joy, I would imagine, right? And brought you fortune and brought you, well, some fortune and brought you your wife and your children, right? So In a way, yeah. So I think yeah. the internet's kind of a 
it's more than a thing. It's an absolutely integral part of society. Like it's an organism of its own. And we don't realize how intertwined it is in our lives. I think that's right. But social media specifically, I don't care for. <laughs> it's weird to say, but like I literally just log on to post if you think about it, in eight years, a post every day on four different platforms, which average maybe a thousand comments a day for eight years. Yeah, We're you don't about, outsource all that? No. Wow. I don't outsource anything, yeah. God. But I just don't really read them. I don't check it. Otherwise, you would go crazy. Yeah, I can imagine that. I actually just this year stopped checking the Facebook messages she gets because you can now post as a story and then people can... Oh, yeah. Comment Tell me on about the story it. and then that comes in as a message. So we're literally getting two to three hundred messages every day wow. and half of them are just hearts and I can't weed through all of it. And I'm just like, I can't. You know what? If people can figure out how to get a hold of me if it's important. That's right. That's right. And yet I was going to say you have this full time job. And if we can talk a little bit about that, because I'm sitting in your beautiful studio. Is this what drives your world or is it bub or what? what's the mix up of that? I'm overextended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. So everything drives my world. Okay. Right. I mean, my, my family is like the most important thing to me. So right now I'm really trying to make more time for that. I love this. You know, it always comes and goes what is like the most to me, like satisfying or gratifying work. Bub yeah. is always gratifying, but it gets exhausting, like I the bet. work side of it. And then the studio is great. There's, I'm learning the things that I love about my studio, and I really like owning a studio. I like working on my own projects, which is very rare. I like working on some select projects with yeah. music I really enjoy or people I enjoy spending time with. But the studio life is very time-consuming. So, Well, there's no multitasking here, right? It, right. And I've learned to do it a bit, but I also yeah. notice clients don't like it when wow. I'm like doing posts, And but I'm actually pretty good at it. And some clients are like, oh, he's totally... Because they'll be thinking he's not paying attention at all and I'm doing something. I'm like, oh, there's, you know, I'm very good at multitasking that, but still bands don't like to see someone doing something else while they're recording. Bands also expect to have a full day, which a lot of times is 10 a.m. till 10 p.m. And so that part's hard, but there's other folks that work here and I really like running the studio and improving it. I've also started, I'm designing a studio in Canada right now. And that's work that I really love. Is it your studio you're designing or designing a studio for someone else? It's for someone else. Oh, neat. Yeah. All right. And that's been a huge, like, two, three-year project that's finally wrapping up. Well, dude, you are overextended. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. And so here you are, kind enough to do a podcast with me, someone you've only met once at a private event in North Carolina. Once? I think might have been twice. Oh, that North Carolina, yeah. the library event? library. And then I went to Safe Haven. So it was twice. Oh, so, right. So yeah, yeah. And amazing that you would come out to Raleigh, North Carolina, like on a Tuesday night. When you had kids, I think you had Roscoe at the time. Yeah, he came with us. Yeah. We talked a little bit about work-life balance, but when you think about your work-life balance challenges, they're kind of unique because not everybody has an internet famous cat, right? But everybody has a job that they love and a family that asks a lot of them. So what are you doing to get that balance right? You just said your family expects or wants more of you, but how do you deliver on that? Uh, it's been hard. Yeah. So we travel a lot. So with sessions, I try not to book weekend sessions anymore. But when do bands play? Yeah, and record. Well, bands want to yeah. record on the if they have day jobs, they want to do weekends. I also have a hard rule that I leave at five from sessions, and some bands will just say, "Okay, that's fine," but I know they think it's not fine. And some bands are like, "But I'm very upfront about it," and that's not even because oh, I have to get home. It's because I want to get home. Like I'm here till five, then I can't wait to see my. I have to see my right, kids. Right, of course. I'm the one that puts them to bed, and it's like my time with them. So it's like this. It becomes this thing where it's like a financial balance. Like, what do I want in life is not 
to have this much work. But right now I have 11 irons in the fire and I need them to be in the fire or else family life won't be very pleasant. Yeah. So I'm currently like planning towards the future to be have financial stability with our given circumstances with our home and mortgages right, and right. business and all this stuff while making more time. And it's sort of like a two to three year plan. It reminds me that even though you've got this internet famous cat, right? And life looks different on the internet. Yeah. You're just almost like everybody else, right? I mean, you've got a family, you're trying to provide for them, trying to do fulfilling work, spend time with your kids. And it's this constant challenge of how do I balance work with everything else? And you live an interesting life where you don't have a job that you can just, for the most part, turn off at the end of the day. Bub's with you. Like Bub is your kind of like your second full-time job, right? And behind the kids or... I mean, kids aren't a job. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So as a woman of, who doesn't have children. Yeah. There are a lot of work. But yes, yeah. yeah. Well, Bub has been probably the number one time. It's not a time suck. We don't no, want to no, say no, that. I'm yeah. trying to say she's taken up, not her, but the business of Bub has yeah. taken up most of my time. So she's blocking your calendar the most. Yeah, yeah. in the past seven years. Yeah. For sure. Uh, absolutely. There's so much going on. And my to-do list with in that world is huge. I mean, it's really hard. If I could show you maybe later my to-do list. Well, I was going to ask you about that because I know taking care of Bub isn't just putting cute photos up on the internet. Like what's involved to take care of a special needs cat? Well, yeah. So that's the thing is there's the Bub on the internet and Bub work stuff. And then there's actually Bub and caring for Bub. Yeah. Which right now is actually very stressful okay. because she's getting older. Yes. She's not, she's known for her look, which was to look like a kitten forever. And now she doesn't look that way anymore. No, she doesn't. And to me, I see it over time, but I post a photo and people are like, oh my God, what's going on? Is she okay? Are you taking care of her? And yeah. That's got to drive you crazy. Managing that is extraordinarily stressful because obviously I'm taking care of her and it's stressful just to take care of your loved one. And then to have people tell you you're not doing it. It's maddening. And not just one, but like hundreds of people. Like I got an email from like, and from some serious Bub fans, like, what are you doing? You need to spend more time caring for her. Oh my God. What wow. do you think I do? Nonstop. She's with me all the time. But you know, your honesty about her illnesses, about her journey has been kind of the beautiful thing about Bub, part of her story of being a special needs cat. And if you washed her, blow dried her, bleached her, did everything every day, that wouldn't be Bub's story. I mean, she's giving, she's got a good quality of life. She's happy, but she's not the kitten that she was six years ago. Right. And she's had challenges since she was one year old. And frankly, she's super happy. She yeah. has no idea what people see. She doesn't look in the mirror and say, oh, I've got this big lump on my cheek. No. She really has no idea. She has a little harder time getting around. But to her, that's what's so special about her is she doesn't even see that as an obstacle. She's like, the food's there yeah. and I'm going to find a way to get right. to it. You know? <laughs> And to me, as long as she's eating healthy mm -hmm. and she's happy, she always wants to crawl in bed with us and, yeah. and lay on us. Like That's all that matters. Yeah. Well, you mentioned some of the work behind keeping up appearances and how you don't do it. And I think there's a message in there around being authentic. Like you've always been super authentic with Bub. Yeah, I think the main thing is just I've always just done what I want to do and to do with integrity, I think, yeah. is the main thing. And to have some perspective. To me, it's like the way I do things or yeah. to do things. Your but character. I think, yeah. Yeah. So I think just like doing the best you can with what you get. Well, let me let me ask you this. So you made a concerted effort in the early days to show her with integrity, to show her journey with integrity. And I liked your message around having a work ethic and doing things right and kind of existing in the world that way. So if you can leave our listeners with a thought about 
I don't know, the world of work, your vibe, your atmosphere, the way you approach things. How do you approach the business of Bub? The way I approach the business of Bub is I don't approach it as a business. I approach it as something I love. And if I were suddenly to decide I was a businessman, I would realize that I've been exceptionally fortunate. Yeah. Because a good way to put this is I play in bands forever. And it's the same way I felt about being in a band. I just wanted to be in a band to do the music and do the music I liked. And I hated thinking about if other people would like it and that my success is based upon other people liking my music and that I should do something, change something about what I like to make it. It's this thing where to do what you love and to get money for it. Basically, we live in a world where we need money. Yeah. So you're not going to sell out. You're not going to sell Bub out. Is that what it's you're like saying? A, yeah, yeah. So selling out is a very simple way to put it. But I just got very lucky where I was able to do what I wanted. Yeah. People loved her so much and wanted to work with her so much that I was able in the early days and still when they, people say they want to work with me and with Bub, I'm like, fine, but these are the rules. I have full creative control. Mm -hmm. I won't do this. I won't do that. If you don't like it, we, we just won't do it. It's not a big deal. Love and it. it's not often that you're in a position to have that kind of leverage. Yeah where you can get whatever you want and do it the way you want and still have it go through. I mean, it's definitely principled. And I like how it's not just something that you do with Bub, but it's something that you do as a producer, right? As a musician and maybe even as a parent. Yeah, maybe as a parent. Yeah, that's good. That, if you can do that as a parent, that's amazing. Yeah. And frankly, it didn't. That's the thing is, I guess it didn't ever work that well for me as an engineer and musician. Yeah. It didn't work that well for me. Like I'm talking as a business. Yeah. I always see other studios doing things differently and like trying to do this and that to get business. And I was like, I just want to do it like this. And I hope other people like the way I do things. And it was fine. You know, the, the studio business is not a good business to get into anyways, <laughs> but it was, I was doing sure, it. It was yeah. fine. It wasn't like, oh my God, all these bands You're are killing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like in. I record local bands, regional bands, some bigger bands, but it's never, I've never had like this record get huge yeah. or anything, but that didn't bother me. I just like the work that I do and I think I do a good job and people come back. It's fine. But with Bub, it was like I did the same thing and suddenly it was phenomenally successful. So in that way, it's very lucky, but I think that's her reward to me. You think so? Yeah. yeah. That's her gift to you. Yeah. I love it. So I can yeah. keep doing the things I want to do. Well, it's not a bad gift. I'm really appreciative of your time today. Thanks for letting me hang out with you and Bob. Sure. It was great having you. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lil Bob and her dude, Mike. Now, Lil Bob is all about raising money and raising awareness. And she and Mike have partnered with Waggle to raise funds for animals in a responsible way. You know, right now, if you go on GoFundMe and you donate, you really don't know what happens to that money. Maybe it goes to an animal or maybe it goes into somebody's pocket. But Bub and Mike are partnering with Waggle to make sure that the money that you pledge goes directly to animal care. And they started out with their very first recipient, this little guy named Tiny Tim, and they raised a bunch of money and exceeded the expectations. And that money is now going to help other animals. So if you're interested in learning more about that foundation or making a donation in Bub's name, you can check out our show notes by going to laurierudeman.com forward slash let's fix work dash 80. I also have to add, I was so nervous recording this episode. I have no idea why, but Bub and her sister Vivian were there and Mike himself were just so warm and so welcoming. So if you're ever down in Bloomington, Indiana, or you have a recording project that you need done, make sure you check out Russian Recording Studios. 
Let's Fix Work was recorded live in Bloomington, Indiana, and produced by Danny Osmond at Emerald City Productions. If you like what you hear or you have any feedback, you can always hit me up and send me an email at hello at letsfixwork.com. Now that's all for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by number one, subscribing to Let's Fix Work on the Apple Podcasts app or iTunes or Stitcher or Android or wherever you listen. Number two, write a five-star rating and review. And number three, share it with a friend, colleague, or coworker who you think would enjoy our episodes.